BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into Tom Curran's Patriots Talk Podcast. It's a Tuesday. We are in the wake of the Green Bay Packers game. We're looking forward to another NFC North opponent. It's the Detroit Lions. There's a lot going on, and there's Phil Perry, the senator. He's back with us from Lambeau. Phil, I find this stuff interesting. Let's go granular on your weekend. When did you leave for Green Bay? When did you kiss the kids and say, I'm out of here? This is what the people are really interested in. I took a flight. I love how the no, – out of Logan, hit Atlanta very quickly, and then out to Milwaukee. This is on Saturday. On Saturday night. Got to Milwaukee around midnight. You you have a family at home, and you want to spend as much time as you can on a Saturday. And you roll that dice and say, I'm not going to have any delays. I'll get in there just fine. Okay, you land in Milwaukee, which is not near Green Bay necessarily. Then what happened? Then you sleep for a few hours as much as you can, and then you get up and you take a uh, you take a two hour Uber with your friend Jamal from Milwaukee to Green Bay at seven o'clock in the morning. Make sure you're there on time for pregame. Pregame was a little bit early this week. We had a Celtics mm. game early pregame because of the Celtics game, so that's eleven thirty Eastern time, ten thirty Milwaukee time. So it's a two hour ride from Milwaukee to Green Bay. Got there around uh, nine o'clock, and then actually really fun. You would have enjoyed this. Got to basically walk around an empty Lambeau field, the entire stadium, nobody there. Like one security guy who let me in. Reese Reese wasn't there yet. You might have had one network camera crew there. There was, I think, one person on the field when I finally got up to the press box. But I got to walk around all of Lambeau, all through the concourse, all through the bowels of the stadium, all the tunnels on the sideline, get up to the press box on uh, sort of my own sweet time. Uh, because I did have a few minutes to kill before pregame, but that was kind of cool. I was I felt like uh, the only guy in the entire building, so got to soak it all in, you know, soak it all in the history of it all. You know, and this is cool, and let's make it about me. In 2000 and what year did Favre go to the Jets? 08? 08. So at that point, I was working for NBCSports.com, the national one, and I uh, – had gone out to Green Bay to cover Green Bay Packers training camp, and it coincided with that whole Brett Favre, retire, don't retire, traded them to the Jets situation. Rodgers was, you know, in waiting, and I was there for like three days in Appleton, just sashaying around Green Bay, and you, I would walk, because I like to walk with them out there, and you just walk out of Lambeau Field and take a right, and you're in a neighborhood. You're just walking down the street with tree-lined and, and you know, small, you know, 1,500, 1,600-square-foot houses with fences and cars and driveways and dogs barking. It's really, really interesting. So, all right, enough about me. Let's get back to Phil. Phil, games played. We'll get to the game, but, again, let's get granular. 
game ends, you pod with me at 9 our time, 9.30 our time, then what? Uh, then I drove back, did a little writing, drove back with our buddy Mike Reese. So I didn't have a car to get to the stadium, but Reese did have a car. And so I drove back to Milwaukee, to Milwaukee. Uh-huh. with Reese because we were staying at the same hotel by the airport in Milwaukee. We both were on a 6.40 a.m. flight Monday morning out of Milwaukee, back to Boston, direct flight, nice and quick. Uh, so we had a two-hour ride together, me and Reese. It's very nice, a lot of fun. Love that guy. You're great. Love it. Love it. Love it. I can't tell Love you how much I appreciate this. He kept saying he kept saying that to me because I drove. I actually took the wheel. He he. I think you listen. We were both pretty tired, but I said, "Hey, Mike, you're doing me a favor here. I'm happy to drive. I'm good to drive. We've done. You and I have done some late night drives back from MetLife before. Yes, we have in a rental car. Um, so it really wasn't it wasn't that bad. We had a you know the guys said the guys the best. We, I don't think we even had the radio on the entire. No. Time. Oh my God. We we one time drove back from Buffalo because of a, a tremendous um, blizzard. Reese and I with an NFL official um, who's from the area. And we had an unbelievably fun ride. You know, he didn't give up any any secrets. We just had a great ride back. And he, Mike Reese loves officials to begin with. So I had to pull him down out of the clouds when we finally dropped off the rental car. Because I think we rented a car to drive out there. Oh, we rented a car to drive back, actually, because we were supposed to fly. All flights were canceled. But he was in the clouds because we got to ride with an official for seven hours. Um, all right, you get back, and then so your day is not done. You just came back, you're kissing babies, or do you go straight to need them to get ready for the breakdown? No, not straight to because I think we got back around 11 a.m. and right. we start taping for the breakdown, um, around three o'clock. So, had some time, get home, shower, uh, finish writing a couple things. Tried to watch a little bit of the game because there are plays, you know, we have a pre-show meeting for the breakdown with Ted Johnson. He has some plays that he has in mind that he wants to show. I have some things that that I think are interesting. So we we mind meld on that with our producer, Steve Hamblin. And uh, so we got the show ready. And then we started tape, went over to Needham and started taping at three. Yep. And then we're off and running. Then we're doing NBC 10 Boston hits at four and five. We've got the show at six. You got early edition at 630. It was, it was a full day. It was good times. Definitely a full day. Good to have you back. Good to have you safe. Enough of a of the Diet Phil's journal. Let's now listen. Dive. You're the one who wanted to go granular here. That's all. That's no, all I mean. didn't blame you. No, but I think for the I want people, the listeners people, to know that though. I want the listeners the to know that. No, for the people, I I think they're like, okay, that was really cool. I, I'm now I know how the sausage that Phil made got made. We're also going to have to have John Henry strip in the time code, the time stamp for when we actually start talking about the team. Good idea. Well, we're four games in. Ostensibly the quarter poll, even though the NFL has added an extra game. We're still going to call it the quarter poll. Let's make some assessments about where the Patriots are and what we know about them through four games. Question one, Phil. Has the new offense they installed worked? Sure. It's kept them competitive. I wouldn't say they've they've lost games necessarily because of their offense outside of that Miami game, but I think it's, it's working and it's getting better. I just think there are certainly areas in which they could make life a lot easier on themselves. And I'm not sure why they haven't 
done that yet. I'm just looking at you some of the numbers that. now. We you won't said that a few times. In what ways? Because you've been on this RPO and do some of the things that Mac likes, and you really seized on some of the things that the team did with Bailey Zappi as his day went along. What are some of those specific things? Play action. Can we just start with play action? The Patriots sure. going into this game against the Packers were the lowest usage play action team in the NFL. Just under 11% of Mac Jones's throws were play action throws. And Bill Belichick told us earlier in the year, hey, play action, not so hot when teams are blitzing. So you get a team that blitzes you a lot. We're not going to throw a lot of play action. But okay, after three games, was everybody just blitzing all the time? Did, did you see nothing but man coverage? That was another thing he told us that suddenly uh, play action doesn't work against man coverage. He obviously knows way more football than I do. I've I've just never heard that before in terms of uh, a reason for why your team would be low on the league-wide list of play action. Who are you trying to sucker on play action? You're trying to sucker the safety and the linebackers generally and make them freeze. I mean, the corners have to have a half an eye in, but they're really locked in on the wide receiver during playing man. So they're not going to heartbeat. That, that, I find that interesting that he would say that playing man renders play action moot. Yeah, I found I just found it interesting too. And again, I'm sure if, if he were to go more in depth on it, it would make more sense to us. But either way, those are generally it, Tom. Even the teams that play the most man-to-man defense in the league, they don't play a hundred percent man. They play about fifty percent man. That's a very high man-to-man percentage across football. Teams like the Dolphins, the Patriots, they're they're sort of right at that fifty percent mark. Okay, well, there's half the snaps, half of your passing attempts. You know, ostensibly, you would have the opportunity to run play action. So that's one area they just haven't really been leveraging. Same with RPOs. We saw some more of those in the Pittsburgh game. But going into, again, going into week four, they were one of the few teams in football who hadn't yet had an RPO completion. And we know this is something that Mac Jones actually pushed to use this offseason as they were putting this new offense together because he liked the way they used him at Alabama. He saw how Nick Saban used to explode at practice because Alabama couldn't stop the RPO. Now, you don't want to create your entire offense around an RPO type of system. It's probably not a great idea, but as an occasional lever to pull, it is one of these concepts that can give you quote unquote free yards because you're giving the quarterback a pretty easy decision to make just based on numbers that the defense is showing you. And if you have somebody who can make those types of quick throws, which Mac Jones can, it can really help your offense. And so they're at the bottom of the league in those two different categories going into this game. Yet we see in this game, both Brian Hoyer and Bailey Zappi use play action and they are no longer the last team in the NFL when it comes to play action usage. Only the saints though are behind the Patriots after four weeks in terms of their play action dropback. So the Patriots have 21. I believe the Saints have 20 right now. So it's not like they hammered it, Tom, but they did use it to help out Bailey Zappi. And my thing would be, if you thought that was a good idea to help the rookie quarterback who obviously needs some help, why not try to help out the guy who is playing at a higher level and has even more ability to get more from your offense. You know, just because he's in his second year and maybe you trust him a lot and you trust him to make good decisions and good accurate throws deep down the field doesn't mean you shouldn't still be trying to scheme some things up for him. They hadn't really done that through three weeks, in my opinion. I think they started to do it in week four, and maybe they'll do it moving forward once Mac gets back. The arc of Mac's development, that's my second question. Is he flatlined? Is he regressed? 
I've made the contention that this season will ultimately, somewhere down the road, be better for him because it will build resilience and build a level of character. It's also going to build some scar tissue in his ankle, apparently, which I didn't really account for. However, what do you see for the arc of Max development as a player right now in his performance? I think he's trying to do what he's told. I think they know they want to be an explosive offense. And so when he gets certain reads, he's trusting in the players around him. Some of these guys are making a lot of money, Nelson Aguilar in particular, to make plays. And there are times where those plays turn into picks. And I know our guy, Mike Lombardi, says, hey, you got to be more careful with the ball. You know, I don't care what the offense is or, or what the design of the play. Nobody's designing, nobody's designing interceptions for you to be throwing here. Uh, but I think Matt Castle on this podcast has done a good job basically outlining each pick that Mac Jones has thrown and why they were usually more physical errors than like mental errors or bad decisions or a player playing out of control. But Tom, even Tony Romo, it sounds like on the broadcast, you know, pointed out, hey, this is a pretty good offense right now. People don't believe it, but they're just turning the ball over too much. Mm -hmm. I think there's there's a lack of context in both of those comments, mm -hmm. both from Lombardi and Romo. You get picks with the kind of offense they're running right now. So in my opinion, you can't say on the one hand, it is a good offense. And on the other hand, they're just turning it over too much. Those things are married together based on the way they've been playing, especially through the first three games. Let's remove the Packers game just for a second here. So unless they change the style of offense that they want to play, the bad results are going to come along with that as just the cost of doing business. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The Patriots are one and three. If we play the Haiti, tilt it on its side a little bit, and it's going to look a little bit different. Play that game. Were it not for a missed tackle on Jalen Waddle by Kyle Duggar, were it not for a breakdown in protection, most likely by Trent Brown, were it not for an end zone pick on a really desperation heave in the direction of Devontae Parker against the Ravens and assorted other turnovers were it for maybe Hunter Henry being spotted on the third and five crosser in Green Bay by Bailey Zappi and they pick up a first down on that instead of Bailey Zappi kind of getting squirrely and backing out of that Patriots could be four and oh Phil is that Pie in the sky 
Is that looking too hard for the silver lining in an otherwise disappointing start, or is that legitimate in terms of legitimate in terms of hey, they ain't that far away, or is this what middling teams do who've lost nine of their last eleven games going back to last year? Yeah, I don't think it's legitimate in that you know we could realistically sit here and say, well, they should be four now because that's just the NFL, right? By and large, these games are decided by very slim margins. And so these seemingly random mistakes at times, the way you lay them out there, are the difference. And so you can't have those plays and say, well, if not for those, no, 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 that's that's part of reality in the NFL. But I think it is legitimate in terms of saying that they're not all that far off. Yeah, they're sniffing around competency. Things- they're, they're sniffing around a level of competency that makes you say, eh, hey, might be working here. It might be. And so, you know, I think the question for the skeptics may be, are there so many issues that they randomly have to plug, right? It's the protection in week one. It's the receiver understanding what he's supposed to be doing during an audible in week three. In Week four, you know, that's that's injury to me. So, again, I, I remove that one from the equation. But are there so many different little tweaks that need to be made that when you assemble them all together, you look at it big picture and say, there's so many dust bunnies that we have to clean up around this house that it's actually going to be a day-long project? <laughs> Very nice. Um, defensive changes. The Patriots made some, especially at linebacker. Have the defensive changes the Patriots made to get faster and more explosive worked? We have a Baltimore game to look at and scrutinize where it didn't work. And we also have the signing of Jamie Collins and some of the reduced playing time for some of the linebackers. Could be safeties being called up. But what's your take on the direction of the defense and whether it's been as good as we thought that it was trending toward being? What's surprising to me, Tom, is that it seems to have shifted in terms of where it's trending so quickly. It was two weeks ago we were looking at Mac Wilson and saying, man, what an athletic play that that guy made. He was horizontal about a foot and a half off the ground, tipping that ball to Jalen Mills to create a pick against the Steelers that you know ends up being a pretty big play in that game. And Bill Belichick is at the podium after the game saying, I'm not sure how many guys in the league can make that play. And now we're sitting here after week four in a game they really could have used him. They allowed almost six yards per carry on the ground. He's nowhere to be found. He plays 10 snaps. Most of those were early. And he looked to be replaced essentially by Jelani Tavai, who's another big-bodied, old-school, Bill Belichick, Matt Patricia type of linebacker, 250 pounds, doesn't really move all that great. Across situations, wasn't like Mac Wilson was necessarily out there on third down or obvious passing spots. It was Jelani Tavai and Juwan Bentley, another big-bodied guy that we don't think of as being an excellent mover. So Raquan McMillan doesn't play a single defensive snap, Tom. These guys have essentially become special teamers. Those were the two that we looked at and say, man, they get faster at the second level with Wilson and McMillan because those guys were being used, you know, as borderline starters, if not starters through training camp. And we thought there'd be real change there. But after week four, it feels like that's kind of gone up in smoke, which is, which is disappointing to me. It should be disappointing to them. Now they're bringing in Jamie Collins. I mean, what does that tell you about how they feel about their linebacker group? That they need more experience and savviness, and they might feel as if teams are starting to 
build game plans to take advantage of what they see on the Patriots' side of the ball at the second level, whether it's Jabril Peppers or Adrian Phillips or Kyle Duggar or the number of linebackers they have on the field and the speed and size of the linebackers on the field. I think they're trying to exploit that. Sometimes we saw some of the, the gap runs by the Packers the other day. They were dragging guys at the second level for four, five, six yards, which is going to happen when it's that kind of a, a size mismatch. I find it interesting to see them pivot and wonder if it'll be a long-term pivot or not. Can I just say about their second level defense, Tom, watching the game back, I thought Adrian Phillips was tremendous. Oh my and he I, was cleaning stuff up. Cleaning yeah, stuff I up. Agree. All kinds of tackles. You know, he's on Aaron Rodgers after throwing aside, literally throwing, like Reggie White hump moving Aaron Jones in the backfield when he's trying to pass protect to safety. And he's probably looking at it saying, Oh, this is fine. Like in terms of height, weight, this is a pretty good matchup for me. Oh my God. I've just been throwing <laughs> 10 yards. That's like the guy just consistently is so solid for them. And I feel like if it was Kyle Duggar, we would be talking about him in such glowing terms week after week after week because he shows up every single week. Whereas Duggar, what we both think has the ability to be a really consistent and, and very good player for them, doesn't necessarily show up with the same sort of consistency. So kudos to Aaron uh, for Adrian Phillips for, uh, being arguably their best linebacker, Tom, at the safety position. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I'm going to cop to a couple of different situations prediction-wise where I got over my skis. One will be Cam McGrone, who was a future Patriots Hall of Famer, being fitted for a red jacket. That running side by each with my Kendrick Bourne Debo Samuel prediction. Neither one seems to be panning out so far. Not ready to put up the white flag, though. Not ready to put up the white flag. Phil, should the Patriots raise the white flag on their DNA being intact from what it used to be? Because post-Brady, post-Edelman, post-James White, post any number of players from that era, they're a sloppier, less disciplined team given to mental mistakes. I don't know if they're particularly well coached. They have a great coach. But we see mistakes from the team. I mean, I guess it's attrition. Guys leave, guys come in. But if you lined up all the most disciplined, don't beat yourself teams in the NFL, I don't know if the Patriots are top 10 in that group. They're sniffing around the top 10. But I think you can rely on the Patriots to beat themselves somehow these days. Even Jake Bailey, my guy. Two touchbacks the other day. Your specialty teams aren't on, on point and haven't been for two years under Dr. Acord. I mean, block punts. Block field goals? Can I dig? Block field goals? Were there any block field goals? Am I just throwing shit out there now? Anyway, not what they were. Is that DNA gone, Phil? I don't think so, Tom. And I think, in a weird way, if they are forced to continue to play without Mac Jones, I think they will be shown that the old Patriots are still there. And if mm. that... And if they can harness that, they'll be better off for it. It reminds me a little bit of our friend, friend of the podcast, Patriots Talk podcast here, great stoic writer, Ryan Holiday, Tom. This Mac Jones injury could be an obstacle is the way kind of situation, mm -hmm. meaning you have this hard, difficult situation that you're facing right now and people really aren't giving you a chance. And on the surface, you're going to be worse off for it. And there are very few silver linings. 
to me, if they can lean into this period of time without Mac Jones and still find things that work for them, lean into this obstacle, they can continue to adopt those moving forward and say, this is who we are. I think this is a time for them to form their identity, even without their most important player, which again, it sounds strange, but if you're without Mac Jones for a week or two or three here, and by the end of that period of time, you find, hey, we can run the hell out of the ball against anybody we want. Mm -hmm. We can run wide zone. We can run inside zone. We can run toss plays. We can run power plays because we're a badass offense. We have two great running backs. We have an offensive line that loves to run the ball and move forward. And we know what the modern day numbers would tell us about where the NFL is going, but we don't care. This is our identity. And you know what? Because we're doing that so well, we're going to be one of the best play action teams in the NFL moving forward. And we hardly used it in the first month of the season. But we saw in that game with Bailey Zappi, even Bailey Zappi, fourth round rookie from Western Kentucky, he can carve up a pretty good defense at times using play action because we're so good with the run. So what would happen if we did that with Mac Jones? And we also found we can compete. We can go to overtime against a really good team, Tom, with Bailey Zappi at quarterback if we just don't turn it over. So if they can put all these things together with a better quarterback behind center, you could use this time with Mac Jones out of the fold to find out who you are and be better for it. So I think that sounds to me like the old Patriots. All of mm-hmm. those things, not turning it over, running, passing when you need to. And tack on too, I think though, it's still there. I think it's still there. And tack on things that you know I was referring to. No, no touchbacks on punts. You know, now getting field position because they've already tweaked that with their return game and Marcus Jones getting field position on special teams, creating that, having a game plan that really limits Aaron Rodgers to looking sub pedestrian in the first half of a game. And they have a golden opportunity this week to go up against a team that they should be better coached than in Dan Campbell. Now, I poke fun at Dan Campbell. When you look at Dan Campbell, he's easy to poke fun of, especially his verbiage and the things that. He's put out there, but Dan Campbell's Miami Dolphins beat the Patriots 20 to 10 at the end of 2015 in a game the Patriots had to have. And while the Dolphins, excuse me, while the Lions, the Patriots opponent this week, are allowing the most points in football, they're also scoring the most points in football. And it really looks like his team is having a good freaking time. This is a really fascinating matchup. Can the Patriots frustrate the Lions? Can Bill Belichick flex his giant gray matter? against blood and guts Campbell. I think this is, I thought your take on that, which I hadn't heard broach prior is awesome. That this is an obstacle is the way type of situation. The Patriots find them in. And this is an awesome matchup to make Detroit look like Detroit doesn't want to look. I wonder Tom, now what's, really entertaining about the Lions aside from their head coach is that they've scored more points than anybody and they've given up more points than anybody through four weeks of this season. So they're going to light up the scoreboard one way or another, multiple ways probably. And I would worry a little bit about the Patriots defense in this one, as weird as that sounds against the Jared Goff led Dan Campbell led. He can throw it. I don't give a shit how skinny he is. He can throw it. He can throw it a little bit. I think he's probably he can throw held it more back than a little bit. A little bit. I think he's held back a little bit by 
some decision making stuff. You know, a right. lot was but made of when he was with Sean McVay. How that you know the hand holding that went on there. It sounds similar to what's going on with Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan right now. But the Patriots, Tom, they're allowing five point one yards per carry. Their defense this year, five point one. That's 29th in the NFL. The only teams worse are the Bears, Chargers, and the Lions. So that maybe this is just a run heavy game on both sides. A little bit like, you know, it was for stretches in Green Bay. And, you know, we just set football back a few decades and say, hey, both teams are going to run it 40 times here with Bailey Zappi under one center and Jared Goff under another. Uh, I still would find that to be an inter- entertaining game just because of the, uh, the not mismatch, but the the opposite mm-hmm. personalities on both sidelines here at head coach. All right. Well, we've gone the whole pod. We haven't talked about quarterbacks. And you know what? There's really no reason to talk about quarterbacks because we don't know what's going to happen. Day by day, Phil. Day by day. Day by day. Oh, dear Lord. Three things I pray. Um, that being the case, look, if Hoyer can't go, it's Bailey's happy again. And if Hoyer can go in this climate, I'll be a little bit surprised, especially for a 36-year-old. You know, what's the upside? Do we want to have second concussion or, you know, the, the quick? No, you don't. Nobody wants it, even if you're, if you're 25. So uh, let's presume Bailey's happy until further notice and not spend a whole lot of time on discussing Bailey Zappi because everybody's pretty much zappied out and we can zappy him later in the week. Uh, but, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to mention that we have the triumphant return of Irrelevant Questions with Josh Uche. It was supposed to be Dietrich Wise. Dietrich <laughs> clearly forgot our appointment at the end of last week, so it became the Uche man. And you are going to love the Uche man. I had no idea this guy was this much fun, Phil. He's a lot of fun. We talked to him right after the draft on Next Pats. We did a Zoom call. He was great then talking about Madden, how he used to play with the Patriots. He used to be Jamie Collins in Madden. That's the guy that he would highlight and he would run around with. He's a lot of fun back then, so it doesn't surprise me. He had a good chat. I circle back with more Madden questions coming up. All right, John, Skull Crusher, Henry, roll the Uche irrelevant questions. And ladies and gentlemen, we will talk to you again on Thursday with another Tom Curran's Patriots. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's the great Josh Uche joining me for another round of Irrelevant Questions, and I'm going to be honest with you. I was supposed to do this with Dietrich Wise, and I haven't been able to find him. So I'm going to stick to the script. Have you ever met anybody else named Dietrich? I have not. Yeah. I have not. No. He's one of one. He's one of one. But I figured because he's got a Dietrich Wise Jr., he was going to tell me, yeah, my dad. (laughs) We're going to skip on to the next one. I'm guessing you were always a big kid. Did you embrace that? Were you always a big kid, Josh? Uh, I was a little chubbier growing up. You know, Pop Warner, I used to run with a trash bag, and I had to lose weight. And my, my father, he was just big on kind of just getting outside and running. So I'd be outside with this, you know, trash bag for hours, just running around. You know, I'd be hungry, take me to McDonald's and get a, a salad. You know what I'm saying? Like, how, how like, torturous is a salad from McDonald's? Like, you've got McChickens, you've got McBurgers, you've got all types of stuff, and I had to get a salad. Shout out to you, Dad. Mr. Ruche, I gotta be candid. I am not one to second guess anybody's child rearing, but I know what you were doing. You were working on his willpower. You know, I used to bring my kids to like training, and I would sit outside and eat donuts while they would do running back and forth. They were pissed. When was what's the hardest you've ever been hit? Uh, I want to say when I first started playing football uh, for the Palmetto Bay Broncos. First year playing football, 
And, um, you know, I think it was on some type of special teams, and I wasn't looking. As soon as I turned my head, I just felt every bone in my spine start clicking, and I had, <laughs> had been cracked back, as you know, uh, guys like to call it. So, yeah, you know, um, to this day, that's probably the hardest hit I've ever, you know, gotten. Did you have any second thoughts at all, or was it immediate, you know what? I didn't like that, and somebody else is going to get it. Um, I want to say my first year of football, I think I quit. I think I quit after the first couple of practices, but, um, you know, I, I eventually embraced it and, you know, learned to love the context. Can I, again, this is you, not me. Actually, it was supposed to be Dietrich, but I'm going to tell you a funny story. So Danny Curran, my middle guy, was probably about your age. So he was seven years old, and he got blown up at a Pop Warner practice. Mm -hmm. I don't want to play anymore. My body's vibrating. <laughs> so I actually went to Belichick. This was like 06. And I said, hey, you know, my kid wants to quit. And I know they're not supposed to quit. So you know what Bill says? This is good. He goes, I mean, hockey, basketball, baseball, yeah. those sports, if you don't start playing them at seven, you're screwed. Football, you can walk out there at any time and start playing. So he's like, if he doesn't want to play, don't make him play. Favorite video game at 15. Let's go rapid fire. Call of Duty, or take that back, Modern Warfare 3. Favorite video game now? Madden. Do you agree with your Madden overall uh, rating? It's going to be better. I think so, too. I'm a big Josh Uche guy. <laughs>